This episode is brought to you by Navy Federal Credit Union. At Navy Federal, it's been the mission to help the military community for over 90 years. And not just help them, but do everything to make sure they not only grow, but flourish. That's why Navy Federal Credit Union has all kinds of great savings and investment options, like share certificates with sky-high rates. So don't hesitate. Start growing your finances today with a variety of savings and investment options. Navy Federal Credit Union. Our members are the mission. Savings products insured by NCUA. Investment products are not insured. Not obligations of Navy Federal and may lose value. Hi, everybody. My name is Mike Coscarelli. I'm a producer here at iHeartMedia, and you're in luck because we have a very special bonus episode for you today. I'm here with the stars of Autism's First Child, John Donvin and Karen Zucker. Guys, thank you so much for joining us and doing this today. We appreciate it. Hi, Mike. Our pleasure. Yeah, it's great to be here. We wanted to talk to you guys today because this is an exciting time for you both. Your documentary, In a Different Key, debuts on PBS next week, Tuesday, December 13th at 9 p.m. Eastern, 8 Central. First off, congratulations. You guys are the big time now. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Before we go any further, tell people exactly when and how they can watch. So we're playing pretty much in every PBS station across the country, as far as we know, as you mentioned, at 9 Eastern and 8 o'clock Central. Just look up your local PBS station, and there we will be on that night. So now that we know where and when and how we can watch the documentary, I want to know, what are your plans for that night? Is there a watch party planned? Is there a red carpet that you're going to be walking on? Can you walk us through that? Uh, we think there are uh, groups around the country, especially groups that um, are connected to autism that are having watch parties. We're hearing about those. What we're doing is we're gathering with a group of people who were helped us make the film either by backing us financially or giving us advice or consultation or who worked on the movie. Uh, we're getting together uh, in an apartment in New York City, and we're just going to have some food and wine. And then at nine o'clock, we're going to pause and pop some champagne and we're going to watch the opening credits, but we're, we're, we've decided not to make people sit and watch the movie. So we're going to watch the opening credits. And then after the first minute and a half, we're going to turn down the sound and go back to having our celebration. Because hopefully everyone who's there will have seen the movie by then. Yeah, of course. I guess that makes sense. It's hard to just sit back and watch something that you worked so hard on for, I assume, uh, you know, so many months to a year. But have you guys seen the, the obviously you've seen the final product at this point. You don't have to watch it on the night of premieres, right? Yeah, I mean, an important part of what we are doing and we're going to continue to do it is we've spent since March of 2022, we've been going around the country and having screenings for small groups. We've been to 23 states with it. And we're going to keep going. Any Anybody who wants to bring us in for a screening event for their communities from now on, we're, we're totally open to it. We watch the film to answer your question. We've seen it like 10,000 times. And, <laughs> um, and, and then there's a conversation that follows the screening. Which is almost better than the movie, but not quite. It's very powerful, powerful conversations. They've been honest and intimate and really, really meaningful. And they've included um, people on the spectrum, their families, people who support people with autism through their work. First responders. Um, first responders, police The medical officers, community. Educators, doctors. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Which is the, was, was the goal of the film, ultimately, was to get it out there. That's incredible. I want to start off by speaking generally to you guys just about, obviously, at iHeart, we've worked on the, the podcast here. Uh, what are some of the differences that the audience can expect between the documentary and the podcast? The obvious difference is that, first of all, you get to see 
what Donald Triplett looks like, the first child ever diagnosed with autism, who's now living in Mississippi. And many of the other people who appear in the podcast also appear in the film, like uh, Amy Gravino and Amy Lutz and Stephanie Parks and uh, John Robeson. Um, So you get to see what they look like. The film is much shorter, actually, than the podcast series. Okay, so um, the podcast, there's, there's more depth uh, and development of a number of the stories because we had the time to really let people speak and say everything they wanted to say. Where in the film, you know, the whole film is only an hour and 43 minutes. So you don't get as deep inside the characters and the personalities of the people. Well, as exciting as this whole thing is for you guys, and you guys are going to do your party in New York City with the with the food and the cheese and everything, uh, <laughs> I, I imagine that the premiere is going to be really big news down in Forest, Mississippi. Have you guys kept in touch with Donald at all or other folks in the town? Oh, my oh, gosh. Yeah, yeah, always. We've become very close with the whole community, in fact, because we've been there so many times back and forth because before the film was uh, the book. It's it's like a, a second family down there. What is he up to these days? Do you guys have updates on him at all? Yeah. An interesting thing is Donald finally, after <clears throat> living all of his life in one house, the house that his parents built in the 1920s, he moved into a much more modern and smaller house that his brother, his deceased brother owned, his his brother Oliver, who was really, really became a good friend of ours and, and helped us in so many steps of making the book happen and then making the movie happen. He died um, a couple of years ago and Donald has moved into his house and the house that he lived in, which for us was such an icon and so historic, filled with so much history, was demolished. Oh. It was uh, it was knocked down because it's it was it was quite old. And I guess the feeling was that the it would the, the land had more value with a new house being put on it. So we were sorry to see that go. But Donald now is in a whole new setting, and it's really which we in fact visited with iHeart. Yeah, yeah, with that. With That's Alex. when we saw it the first time. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So Donald got very quickly acclimated to his new surroundings, which you know you don't expect an older person to move into a new place and adapt so quickly. And then there's a whole thing that, you know, it's just, it's always sort of said that people with autism don't like change. And that's true of a lot of people with autism. And it was definitely true of Donald when he was a child, but he's adapted to the new place really, really well. The only thing that's changed really is that we think he has finally stopped driving. Yes. That's, oh. a, that's a big change. Yeah. And, uh, do what we're actually relieved, um, because, because it was time for him to stop driving. And it's hard to stop driving if you've been driving your whole life. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Oh, man. Well, uh, I mean, sorry to hear about the house, but it's great that he, you know, adapting to change. I think change is hard for just anybody in general. Yeah, he was very proud of the house. And he gave us a tour and... He, he, he's very happy there. And he's still getting out and around. You know, he, he worked for his family's bank for most of his life. And there's a group called the Mississippi Young Bankers Association. And they have an annual convention. And Donald started going when he was young. But he kept going every year till, till I, I believe this year, I saw something on a Twitter post about, hey, Donald Triplett's coming again, guys. You know, and so it's all of these... 35, 40-year-old bankers and Donald Triplett, and they love him and welcome him. And he loves going because it was, you know, it was one of his habits of going. So he's still getting out and he's still traveling. He's so so as we make clear in in the podcast, he likes to go out and travel the world. It's a really important thing for him, and he's still doing that. Let's go back to the actual the documentary itself. And you guys obviously you've mentioned you've been screening it a bunch. In these conversations that you're having with fans and, and people that have seen the movie or the documentary, have you gotten reactions to the podcast itself? Are people coming up to you and saying, like, man, that hooked me? Uh, and then 
you know, now I had to see this documentary and, and, and continue this journey. We haven't had that connection. We haven't had people say, I saw the, I heard the podcast. Now I want to see the movie. We really would like that to happen. But we met many people at the screenings who had heard the podcast. And they love it. Really, really love it. And, um, we heard from, you know, Amy Gravino, who, uh, is a, appears prominently in the podcast. I'll just remind folks, she's a woman with uh, on the autism spectrum who uh, deals with sexuality and was bullied, and she's just a, one of our favorite people in the world. Um, she heard from people around the world. Um, she, very early on, she was getting uh, emails from people in Ireland who had heard the podcast and, and others, and she tells us that it, it still keeps coming in for her. So um, we really, really do sense the podcast being out there. And um, I think of it, you know, maybe more, Karen, that it's complementary to the film, that the, the two work together. Absolutely. Really, yeah. really well. Yeah. And sticking with this sort of tour of these screenings that you guys are going on, Karen, one of the themes that you talked about specifically in the podcast uh, is that we should stand up for people who are different and meet people more than halfway. That's what happened with Donald and Forrest his whole life. But ha have you guys been given anecdotes from people um, like that from their communities when you go? And if so, can you share any? So the very first time we showed the film in public was in Mississippi. There's a, a film festival in the town of Oxford where the University of Mississippi uh, has its home. And there's an annual film festival, which really is the state film festival for Mississippi. And what was really interesting, for, two things that were interesting. One is that Donald came, he and his family and many people from his town of Forest drove like two and a half hours to come to this film festival and they overnighted. And Donald got to be in the audience when a, the film was shown in public for the first time and came up on stage and took a bow. But the other thing that happened there was that the next day we were we were going to lunch and, and Oxford's a small town. It's basically uh, got one main street and there are seven or eight really nice restaurants there. And we were looking for one of them for lunch. And Karen appears very prominently in the film. I do it a little bit, but Karen's very prominent as the main storyteller to the film. And um, somebody walked up to her and said, I was at the screening yesterday. And again, I, this was not an audience made up of people connected to autism. This was an audience of people who like movies. So she comes up to Karen and says, I, I saw you in the movie yesterday. And I just want to say, I didn't know anything about autism before. And you know, I'm never going to be the same having seen the film. And John and I looked at each other and thought, that's it. That That's the goal of the film. That's what we wanted is to touch people who didn't know, who didn't necessarily care and were changed by seeing the film. I mean, that was the ultimate we did it moment for us. Yeah. And, and we've seen, we, we've also seen in screenings like moments of community happen. So we did an event um, in Bentonville, Arkansas, um, which is, you know, a really, really lovely community. It's the home of uh, the Walmart Corporation. So um, they have an incredibly well-endowed public school system with a fantastic auditorium that, you know, world-class auditorium facility at the local high school. And that's where the screening was. And there are about 300 people there. And at the end of the film, we're up on the stage and we're doing Q&A and a woman starts talking from the audience and sh she starts to cry. And I, I stop and I say, ma'am, you know, we, we can, you don't have to keep going. We can chat maybe afterwards. And she said, no, 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 I, I don't want to stop talking, but it's just, I'm, I'm speaking now because I'm, I'm the mother of somebody who was just diagnosed. I have a small child who was just diagnosed a month or two ago and I'm so scared because I don't know what to do. 
and I have nobody to talk to and no support. And that moment, like all around her, the other people in the audience said, yes, you do. You have us. We're here. We're here for you. And, and, and that's because there were a lot of families there who have uh, children on the spectrum and they had been organized and they, were, they basically welcomed her into their organization. And that was such a, such a beautiful and powerful moment. And there's been a, many, many other things like that in our screenings. We've had events where the mayor of the town came and the police department came and there you know there's as in the the story that we tell in the podcast series about bad interactions between police and people on the spectrum because of misunderstanding of what autism is um that's in the film also and we've had like really powerful conversations happen when the police are in the audience and families want to talk with them and the police want to say how do we do better what do we do better and those have been really, really powerful conversations also. The work is is so affecting, the podcast. And and uh, I have yet to to watch the documentary, but I'm very excited to get a chance to watch it. But um, this is a, a great segue to the, the next thing that I wanted to ask you guys about. Donald's story being the, the first case diagnosed with this, um, I, I think that there is... Uh, my interpretation of it when I when I really dove into the story, I didn't feel like it was something that could happen if it wasn't in a small town with a community like that. Um, and I was wondering if you guys feel the same way that the fact that at that time uh, in in history, if the the idea that you're in this community that has sort of a, a front facing um, uh, identity with everybody that you you see around town, if that actually really made a difference in the development of this first autism case? I, I actually think there's two answers to that question. One is, you know, absolutely that the fact that the community embraced Donald, we think, had a huge impact on his life. Um, some of that is because they were very prominent family, the triplets in Forest, but I don't believe that it was all of it. I believe so much of it was that the community embraced him and the community will say, the people that we've met um, will tell us that it wasn't them, that it was him. So the the whole idea of it being a small town was critical. But I would also argue, and I and I think we, we've told the story, one of these stories in the podcast as well, but you can have a community anywhere. Um, embracing somebody who's different can happen Um it can happen in a restaurant. It can happen in a on a bus. It can happen in the city. It's just right. It can happen in, in a neighborhood by, within a city right. or in an apartment right. building within a city. That could be the community. You know, there's a story that I love about Karen's son, Mickey, who lives in Phoenix. He has certain routines and habits. And one of them is that he likes to go to Starbucks to walk every morning to the nearest Starbucks, which is about a, like an eight minute walk, I guess. And he doesn't drink coffee and he doesn't spend money too freely so he orders water and you know there's no business there's no percentage in it for that starbucks to serve him water every day but we were in phoenix to do some some work on the movie and karen and i you know we, we went were to sitting starbucks. nearby we, we <laughs> let's go to that starbucks this morning and get a cup of coffee and we went to that starbucks and there was a cup of water on the counter with mickey's name on oh. it that apparently like every day they put out that cup of water because they know his routine. And that's, that's like a really, really small gesture that's a big deal. And some of that has to do, just as with Donald, who's really charming, Mickey is really charming, and I guess he charmed them. But there's also some heart in that little place. So that little Starbucks is a community, we would say also. 
And speaking of that, I, I think that the story of the the podcast specifically really uh, documents the evolution of acceptance and understanding from the gross ideology of eugenics to, to Donald's high school days. I personally like to think that every generation makes a little progress on issues like this in society. How far do you feel we've come in your lifetime and what still needs to be done to support people with autism properly? My lifetime... Um I, I can say gigantically in my lifetime. I, I was born in 1955, and when I was going to elementary school, which would put that in the middle of the 1960s, people who had the challenges of autism were not in school. They had no right to go to school. They were not protected. So the school systems could just say, we don't want you. And even, legally, legally, that's what they did. Even for special ed. Special ed can't handle you. You're out. And and there was no recourse. So so that changed. That changed legally. I mean, f- parents fought for the rights of, uh, f- of a free public education and they won. And people who were um, really uh, different and disabled were put in institutions. Yeah. Yeah. So we're just not in that world at all anymore. So there's been a gigantic change. I also think that, you know, I'm saying this now as a boomer, I I increasingly think that Gen Z represents a, a an embodiment of a kind of uh, acceptance and uh, tolerance of diversity that, uh, that, that previous generations didn't quite get to. And I have, I put a lot of hope in that, you know, Gen Z, my kids are Gen Z. So that generation, maybe it drives me crazy sometimes, but on this point, I really, really think that, um, they're, they're the teachers. As a parent would say, we, we still have a really long way to go that, um, when my son was young, um, teaching and educating, uh, children with autism was, you know, the, 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 the major focus and, we have now sort of, to to a large degree, come so far in doing that and, you know, bringing children um, up and educating them in the system and they grow up into adults and that can be somewhat independent. But we, what we do is once they become adults, we sort of let them fall off a cliff and we have not figured out the adults yet by any means for places where they're going to live and and still in the workplace it's it's still really a struggle for people who are different to be part of society as adults in your opinion if people want to get involved uh, is there anything that they can do directly to support people with autism yeah it's very direct um what we try to do with the stories that we tell and you know, the story of Autism's First Child in the podcast and the story we tell in the film in a different key in our book of the same name, is that while, you know, the scientists are doing research and the educators are developing therapies, there's another part that relates to all of us, and that is to really step up to the notion that people on the spectrum are not so meaningfully different. That we're all different. Yeah, we're all we're all we're all different, and some people have more uh, challenges than others. But that people on this on the spectrum, they're us, and um, they may need a little bit of help here and there, as we all need a little bit of help here and there. And some may need a lot of help here and there, as some of us need a lot of help here and there. And so, it comes down to what can we do. It it it, it means that if you encounter a person who um, who is having a challenge of some kind, to to consider for a moment, maybe what I'm seeing there is um, maybe I'm, I'm encountering an autistic person. Maybe I'm encountering somebody 
who's on the autism spectrum, who's having a moment that's that's a little bit of a challenge. And what can I do about it? I can be not a jerk. I can be the person who just rolls with it. I can be, you know, we one of the people that appears in the podcast in our movie, Amy Lutz, said, you know, what I would really like is when my child was little and if he knocked over the whole stack of Ritz crackers in the supermarket, instead of being surrounded by a bunch of people standing there with their mouths open while he had a meltdown, I would have liked it if somebody had come up and said, you know what? I'll take care of the crackers. I got that. You take care of your kid. So these, we have the opportunity. What we can all do is on the small scale, but it's such an important scale because it's day to day. Is is just in the little interactions, be a little bit knowledgeable, be accepting, be a friend, have the back of somebody who's different and might be struggling a little bit in some situation or another. On the bigger scale, it can be, you know, support programs that are going to involve uh, using government resources to provide education, um, support the, uh, the, the, the home in your community, in your neighborhood, on your block. Um, that's the home to like three or four people uh, on the spectrum who are living on your block. Don't isolate them, but welcome them to the barbecue. Um, so th- that's on slightly bigger scale, but we really think on the day-to-day basis, we all have a role to play. And, and if we play that role well, those of us who are not on the spectrum, it can have a huge impact on whether the person who is on the spectrum gets the chance to belong. Karen, one question I'm sure you get a lot from people is, is just general regards about your son, Mickey. Uh, people will get to spend some time, some quality time with him uh, and his story in the documentary. How is he doing? And is he excited to be a star? He's doing great. He has good days. He has, you know, not so good days like everybody, but he's very excited. My movie is going to air next week. So and that's what he, call, he calls it, my movie. So I think there's a certain amount of pride in being part of it. it just in closing here, is there a message that you guys are are both hoping, something maybe that you haven't touched yet uh, in this interview that people are are taking away from the documentary? Well, I think John said the most important point, and so I would just almost want to reiterate it, which is that it really isn't so hard to have the back of someone who's different. It doesn't take that much from you to do that, but it it makes a huge impact on the lives of people who are different to just reach out and be their friend. Yeah, we just love that this all happened with iHeart. When we got the call about a year and a half ago to do a podcast, we just couldn't believe it. And it came to pass and it's been a great experience. And we would just love folks to know that we're still out there and we can bring this the the movie to your community. Our website is inadifferentkeythemovie.com. And our book is still out there in a different key, The Story of Autism. Tell everybody about that and tell everybody about this podcast, Autism's First Child. Well, once again, guys, I'd like to thank you both for joining us today. It's been so great talking to both of you. Reminder to the audience that it's called In a Different Key, and you can watch it on PBS on Tuesday, December 13th at 9 p.m. Eastern, 8 p.m. Central. I am so excited to watch. Thank you guys again so much. Thank you, Mike, so much. Thank you, really, for having us. We appreciate it. Become a part of the fast-growing health and wellness industry with an education from Trinity School of Natural Health. Trinity graduates can empower their communities through natural health principles and techniques, whether they go into practice to guide others toward their wellness goals or open a store to sell their favorite health products. Trinity grads are equipped to change lives. With 19 online programs and flexibility to fit your busy schedule, including the popular Certified Natural Health Professional, you can get the training that helps you turn your passion into a career 
And here's the best part. You can earn the certification in less than a year. From herbology to naturopathy and health coaching, Trinity allows you to make a meaningful difference by helping others live healthier, happier lives. Don't wait any longer to pursue your passion for natural health. Enroll today at trinityschool.org. That's trinityschool.org. There's no distance too far for the perfect trip. Hi, checking in for... Or the perfect table. Hey, where are you? Coming! And when you get access to Resi Priority Notify with your Amex Platinum card... Hey, this looks amazing. I'm so glad you made it. And travel benefits at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel. It's worth the trip. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Are you looking for the perfect move-in ready home this spring season? Now's the time to buy at Fisher Homes. For a limited time only, enjoy below market interest rates starting at 5.375% APR, 6.139% APR. With these exclusive lower rates, you can save hundreds on a move-in ready home and start enjoying the benefits of home ownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with one of our new home specialists at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. Financing provided by Victory Mortgage, LLC, NMLS 461249, Equal Housing Lender.